chapter 4. I'm going to read the first nine verses. I think this is the sixth lecture that Solomon's giving to his son, trying to get him to buy into wisdom. I think we're going to cut this chapter into two parts. I don't know. It could be three. I'll get into the study next week and, and figure it out. But I know the first part will be verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to preach it a little different. G- typically, in my approach to Scripture, I'm going to go verse by verse by verse and, and preach it as the author was inspired and in the order that the author was inspired to write it. Tonight, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to go a little different direction. I want you to know that ahead of time so you stay with me. I want to be clear on that, that I'm going to kind of take an overall theme from these verses. And I'm going to be very practical and very targeted in who I'm preaching to tonight. And, and so I think you'll understand why I'm doing that by the end of the message. But it might be a little bit different in approach at first. Verse number 1 of Proverbs chapter 4. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and intend to know understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me. Now the the remaining part of this lecture is going to be Solomon quoting what his dad told him. So he's saying, listen Rehoboam, listen to what your grandpa told me. Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall she deliver to thee. If I title the message, Wisdom's First Classroom. Wisdom's First Classroom. If you think about it, God uses many different classrooms through which to teach and wisdom and for us to learn wisdom. My mind instantly goes to the classroom of church. I was in church nine months before I was born. Didn't have a choice for 18 years whether I came to church or not. Some of you kids sitting in here tonight, you didn't have an option. You're here. Some of you had an option and you chose and I'm glad you did. But I didn't have an option. I'm thankful to be raised in a godly home like I was. How many remember a Sunday school teacher you had in church? You remember a Sunday school teacher taught you? Maybe a children's church worker, something, a youth pastor. Man, I I can just start naming names and pointing fingers. That's one of the benefits of coming back and ministering in a church that I was raised in. That that I can just see people that are still faithful to God that were serving in children's church or Sunday school way back in the day that gave me candy, bribed me to listen, did cool crafts and ideas and kept my attention and did puppets. And that's back when they had, before we had screens and technology, we had puppets and did all these things. It was just... It's neat that that I grew up in a church that dispensed wisdom to all ages. Aren't you thankful to be part of a church that does that? Yeah, it's a good classroom for wisdom. There's a classroom even of like youth camp. How many were changed at youth camp? In some way or another, you've been changed at youth camp. Several of you went to youth camp and were changed by that. I I love to preach youth camps and and, and I, I love to to take young people to youth camps and watch Brother Taryn and Taryn get just kind of immersed into our youth department that, that first week they were here and took our young people to, 
to youth camp. And, and I'm thankful that, that our young people have a good youth pastor, youth pastor's wife that love them and are invested in them and have a wonderful, wonderful spirit. And, and I, I'm looking forward to what God's going to use them to do to dispense wisdom into this group of people. So grateful. Some even go to school. I was blessed to be raised in a Christian school. By the way, there's an open house for the Christian school tonight. Have I talked about the Christian school lately? You go try it out. I'm dead serious about that. You should go walk through and let them show you what it's all about. Well, I'm not going to go there. My kids aren't either. Well, go see what it's all about so you can pray for it. It's a ministry of your church. You should give to it. You should pray for it. You should support it. And so you should go try that out. You might have a crowd tonight. You should have a crowd tonight. But I'm, I was privileged every morning to hear Brother Kay give wisdom from the Word of God. Half the time I was struggling to stay awake, you know, just because it's 8.30 in the morning and, and we're tired. I'm thankful my son, every morning, gets his day started in the Bible. That's a great privilege. One of the privileges is Christian education, just so cool. I would tell you this, that, that one of the things that really contributed to my son's salvation at such a young age was that he learned his phonics based on the creation story and based on the gospel story and based on the cross. That's how he learned, he learned to read, by reading stories about the gospel. So neat, such a great privilege that some of our kids had, that I had, dispense wisdom. Um, we have a lot of amazing public educators, public school educators in our church. We're going to honor them um, during uh, Teacher Appreciation Day, September 15th. It's going to be a great day. Uh, that's a mission field of our church, is the public school. We, we love those kids, and we support those teachers, and many of those teachers are in our church, and they do such a fine job at, at being salt and light in our school. It's a challenging day in which to teach in public education. Very challenging day for a Christian teacher, but I'm grateful that Many have accepted that challenge. Many coaches in here. Coaches dispense wisdom because they have a special relationship with kids that maybe teachers don't have in some ways. And, and they travel with them and they invest in them. And, and, and I even think of the classroom of friendship and, and even marriage. Man, my wife is my greatest teacher. Learned so much from her. Classroom of work. Some have good work environments. All these places are great classrooms to learn wisdom, but I want you to know the first and primary classroom, classroom through which God intended wisdom to be given is the home. It's the home. Well, how do you know that? Is that your opinion? It's certainly not. That started all the way back when God laid out his law to his people. Deuteronomy 11. I want you to, I want you to look at this verse. Therefore shall ye, who, who's ye? He's talking to the parents. Ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. In other words, parents, you make God's word and God's wisdom a priority first. And then after you make it a priority and keep it and put it in the center of your heart, here's what you do next, next verse. And ye shall teach them your children. Where? Speaking of them, when thou sittest in thy, next word, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down. And when thou risest up, here's the idea. Spiritual conversation ought to be always happening in your home. And thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house. And upon thy gates. The verse makes it clear that while there are many classrooms for wisdom to be taught, God has given the primary responsibility to the parents in the home. Yet so many parents have handed off this responsibility to the church. 
We're a good supplement, perhaps the best supplement you'll ever find. That's why you should have your kids in church every time the doors are open. But we are only a supplement to what they should be getting at home. There is no youth pastor that is a miracle worker. No Sunday school teacher that's a miracle worker. I'll never be able to change the heart of your child and influence them like you can. You're around them more. You know them better. You have a great opportunity through which to influence your child. Some parents have handed it off to public education. They sent them to school and said, okay, government, they're yours. Make them better. I can't handle them. Figure it out. That's why we ought to pray for our public school teachers. I've walked the halls of those schools. I've been a substitute teacher before. I've driven a bus before. Some of those parents could care less about their kids in so many ways, especially spiritually, and they just hand them off. They've handed them off to guidance counselors, and Lord knows I'm thankful for guidance counselors. We need those. But they're not the primary classroom. Coaches, some parents have handed off their kids to grandparents. And while I'm thankful for grandparents that will step up and teach and influence spiritually, it's not their job. And now we're reaping as a nation, as, 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 a, as a church in some ways, the harvest of parental neglect. Well, what do you mean? There are two younger generations, my generation, the millennials, and the generation behind me, Generation Z, which is these kids. And both of our generations have some glaring spiritual flaws. And we have some flaws in behavior and in responsibility as well. But when it comes to spiritual life, our generation really struggles in some areas. Would you agree with that? And I believe, don't forget, somebody raised us. Or should I say it this way? Somebody didn't raise us. I'm not saying that it's always the parents' fault. But in some regards, watch here, in some regards... I believe that that some of the weaknesses we see in these younger generations is a result of parents handing off the duty to bring up their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So in our text, there's an obvious emphasis on the home. Well, how do you get that? Well, it starts in verse 1. Hear ye children. The instruction of a father. So familial language. And then Solomon emphasizes how wisdom was passed down to him from his parents. So we've got grandparents in the conversation now. And he says, I was my father's son and tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. So now he's talking to his son about his grandparents. And he goes on to quote what King David taught him. So the clear emphasis in our text and the clear thought I want to deal with is is, is that the passing on of wisdom from one generation to the next generation begins at home. So tonight, we're going to take a glimpse into the home, the primary classroom of the wisest man that ever lived. And we're going to see two things, how to instruct in wisdom and how to receive wisdom. So the message has a clear target audience tonight, parents and children. Well, I'm not a parent. You might be. I'm not a parent anymore. You might be a grandparent. The last thing I want to do is is make any parents that have adult children now feel guilty about what they didn't do. So please don't take that as my obligation tonight. I'm trying to reach my generation of parents tonight. I'm trying to minister to the parents of of teenagers and junior high kids and 
kids like, like my son's age that need to understand that we have the primary responsibility to raise our kids, not the church and not the school system and not our grandparents, their grandparents. And I want to talk to our kids tonight. I want to talk to the kids my son's age. I want to talk to the teenagers. I want to talk to the college students that are still at home. I want to talk to those who are still receiving instruction from their parents. And so if, if maybe none of that appeals to you, why don't you just pray for me? That would help. Let's start with the parents. We learn from Solomon how to instruct in wisdom in four ways. Watch. Number one, instruct by using repetition. What do you mean repetition? Well, well, look how often Solomon repeated the same thing. Look at verse 1. He said, hear, ye children. Now go to verse 10. Hear, O my son. Now look at verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. He dealt with the idea of forsaking not in verse 2, in verse 4, in verse 5 and 6. He dealt with the idea of pursuing wisdom and getting wisdom above all else in verse 5 and verse 7. And this is just highlighting the repetition he used in this one lecture. I could go through the first five lectures and show you how he, and you might have caught it. We read some of the same things we've preached about in the last three or four messages. Wisdom is important. Here's what it does. Get it. Make it a priority. Pursue it. Here's the point. When instructing in wisdom, don't be afraid to repeat the same things over and over to your children. Because Solomon, the wisest man in the world, even knew that repetition is the greatest teacher. How many parents in here can remember the things that your parents drilled into you by way of repetition? Yeah. You know the word I heard over and over and over as a child? Growing up in a conservative home? No. Can I have that? No. Can I go there? No. Why? No. Do you know any other words? No. Some moms say, just a minute. Some dads say, ask your mother. This is the last time I will tell you. We heard that over and over. Don't make me count to three. Not on a school night. Hey, don't forget to put the toilet seat up. Don't forget to put it back down. Don't forget to flush. Did you wash your hands? You soap? Buckle up. Kevin, are you buckled up? Pick up. Clean up. Hey, boy, man up. Shut up. <laughs> I heard that a lot. Every parent has their go-to lines that they drill into their kids. Can I give you a few things you ought to repeat? Parents, Jesus loves you. Why repeat that? Because we live in a day where kids are comparing themselves to everything they're not. And they have forgotten that God fearfully and wonderfully made them in his own image. And so they go to social media and say, I don't have that. And I'm not this. And I don't look that way. And I can't do this. My parents don't have the money to do this. And you wonder why our teenagers struggle so much with depression. And why they act out in behavioral ways that don't make sense. And why they date people that aren't good for them. They're, they're craving love and acceptance that they need, they need to be taught only comes from above. Dads, drill into your, into your young ladies. Drill into your daughters. Jesus loves you. Drill that into them. And drill into them that Jesus loves you just the way you are. He made you that way. He made you that way. Be as pretty as you can be. But understand, 
that no matter what boy likes you or doesn't like you, Jesus loves you. So don't try to earn some boy's love some crazy way. And, God, and, I, and listen, young men need to understand the same thing. Yeah, Jesus loves you. I thought, I thought of another one. Maybe you need to continually remind them, be careful who you hang out with. Because your friends are your future. And there'll be times when you say that and they'll roll their eyes because they've heard it 150 times. And they'll, 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 they'll get, you'll get on their nerves when you ask them again, who'd you hang out with tonight? Who were you with at school today? Who'd you sit by at the game? You keep drilling that into them. Hey, tell them this, your purity is a gift. Guard it. Treasure it. We live in a sex-crazed world. They need to understand that saving themselves for marriage is still God's way. You know why they need to hear that? Eight out of every ten high schoolers graduate without their virginity. Eight out of every ten of these kids won't be a virgin when they get married. That's why you need to tell them, guard your purity. You know what you need to tell them? Respect and honor all authority in your life. Yeah, we don't trash police officers. We don't trash pastors. We don't trash teachers that are grumpy and we don't like. We don't trash coaches that we think are unfair. And we respect all authority because it's God-given authority. Whether that authority is right or wrong, we submit with the help and grace of God. Tell them this, parents, please. T tell them this, repeat this. Work hard. Repeat that to your young people. Work hard hard. Why? Because my generation and the generation behind me have a sense of entitlement. That they can have what their parents have without doing what their parents did to get it. And so at age 25, they can have what their parents had that took their parents 45 or 50 years to get because they got a little plastic thing. They can swipe. Teach them to work for what they get. It's not about repeating things we say, it's about repeating the right things that we do. Pray together, do that often. Eat a meal together, that's a novel idea today. Spend time together, read the Bible together. Hey, hey, parents, discipline consistently. Have a consistent schedule, consistent expectations. Instructing in wisdom is going to be the result of faithful repetition. That's why I told our, our youth pastor, I want you to repeat three things over and over and over and over and over for as long as God will have you here. Well, what are they? I want you to preach and preach again. And then I want you to meet one-on-one -on -one and disciple kids. And then I want you to minister and help parents. And you do those three things over and over and over and over, and it will pay off over time. Number two, instruct in wisdom by teaching sound doctrine. Look at verse two. For I give you good doctrine. What's doctrine? It's Bible truth. So, so how do you intentionally teach your children the Bible at home? Can I give you a couple ideas? I'm just being practical tonight. For toddlers and pre-K children, um, I, I went over to the Bot's house uh, one night where they were ministering here, and one of the things they did for, for their little ones, one of the things that, that uh, my sister and brother-in-law do for, for their, their, their little ones, even at the age in which they can't read or really retain a lot, is they memorize Scripture. Every night they're memorizing Scripture. Huck's first Scripture was, Be ye kind 
Took him a while to memorize that, only three words, but it took him a while to memorize that. He's Kelby's child. <laughs> but it was amazing. I went over there and Wash is the Vach, and I is the oldest, and all of them would just quote scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture because they started when they were really, 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 really little teaching them be ye kind. And then, and then, and then John would, would just give a reference. John 3.16, they would quote it. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, they would just quote it. Ephesians 6.1, they would quote it. And that's what they did as a family. That's just a great idea. For young children, like, like my son Jade's, we, we have a, a children's storybook now that he can read. And he reads a page out of that every night during the school year where, where it's, it's a Veggie Tales book. And it's, it's, it just gives a verse and then it gives them a little paragraph to read. And that gives biblical truth into him, sound doctrine at that age. For older children, maybe age 10, up to teenagers, there's, there's a list of resources that I created just for you parents tonight. It's at the resource center tonight. And I've got those in, in these, these little three-by-five cards that Lindsay cut for me. They're out there. You can get them. But, but they're, they're right here, the Family Bible Devotional, the one-year classic family devotions, Josh McDowell's family devotions. There's three more, Christian. Go to the next slide. The very best hands-on kind of dangerous family devotions. That is the best book. Fuel for Parents and Teens, wonderful book. Wise Up for younger kids out of the book of Proverbs. But, but you ought to have some type of resource where you're getting Bible truth into them. I'm telling you, some of the greatest times I had and remember in my home where my parents opened the book and taught me the book. I can remember vivid illustrations my dad used, making the Bible come alive to me. Yeah. Here's number three. Instruct in wisdom by passing on the wisdom of past generations. You notice in verse four, that David, or Solomon, recited a lecture that his dad told him. And, and, and what David, watch, what David told Solomon that he quoted in verses 5 through 9 is like repetitive of what Solomon told his sons in the first three chapters. They mirror each other, which is a powerful point. That, that I think is hidden in this text, that Solomon didn't have to go to the self-help section of a bookstore to figure out a better son for his, a better plan for his son's life than his own dad gave him. He didn't have to Google 10 new ways to have a good life and then pass it on to his son because his dad's way was outdated. Solomon knew that if instruction and wisdom was good enough for his dad, who was a man after God's own heart, an amazing leader, a successful king, and a giant killer, then Solomon said, it's good enough for me, and it's good enough for my son, too. Parents, what's the point? We don't need a new way to raise our kids. While every generation can improve, I just talked to my mom about this yesterday on the way, way back from Oklahoma City, and she said this, you guys should do a better job at raising your kids than I did at raising you. And, and I agree that every generation ought to improve and learn from maybe past generations' mistakes or whatever the case might be. But the basics of passing down godly wisdom haven't changed. You know why? Because godly wisdom comes from this book, and this book never withers. It never expires. It's a timeless truth that endures all generations. Parents, stay with the book. I'm not just, just having sound bites trying to get amens. I'm dead serious. The same book that your parents and grandparents, or in some cases your pastor or youth pastor used to raise you, raise your kids with this book. Pass it on. That means discipline the way this book says to discipline. Well, what do you mean? 
Well, there's a lot of new books coming out, best-selling books coming out that will tell you to discipline this way or don't discipline at all. You, we'll get to it in Proverbs. There is God's way of corrective disciplining. And you need to stick with that way no matter what the culture tries to tell you. It's a loving way, and it's a firm way, and it's a consistent way, and there's so, many, so much wisdom when it comes to disciplining your child. Do it the way the Bible says. You know what else you ought to pass on from past generations? Biblical priorities. You pass on the priority of God's house to your kids. The priority of serving in God's house. The priority of giving to God's house. Pass that on. Here's what you ought to pass on. Biblical doctrine. The same doctrine you were taught and that has guided your life. I weary of people in my generation that have forsaken Bible doctrine. For, 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 for trends and, and other things, I'm talking about the doctrine of personal holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. That never expires. The doctrine of eternal security, you'll never lose your salvation. The meanings and implications of the gospel. Hey, pass on to your kids what a Baptist is. A Mormon teenager usually knows why they're a Mormon. A Baptist teenager doesn't have a clue. We have Baptists on our sign on purpose. We're not mad about it. But there's a reason we are biblical Baptist. Pass that on. Number four, instruct in wisdom by being passionate about it. I want you to look at verse five. Get wisdom. He's saying get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. Watch this language. And she shall preserve thee. Love her. And she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all thy getting. Get understanding. I sense passion. I sense urgency. You know why? Because he, he uses language like, like, like pursuing a woman. And he says, like, listen, Rehoboam, like you would pursue a girl? With that passion? Pursue wisdom. And, and listen, Rehoboam, you're going to get a lot of things in life. You're going to get a lot of things in life. You're going to get education. And you're going to get a job, and you're going to get friends, and you're going to get a marriage, and you're going to get a home. But with all you're getting, above all, get wisdom. I don't think he was twiddling his thumb passively saying that to his son. No. You know why I think that? Because when God cornered Solomon as a young man and said, ask me for anything, what is the one thing he asked God for? Wisdom. Where do you think that was pushed into his life? His dad. His dad told him, Solomon, with all thy getting, get wisdom. David had no idea that God would one day say, Solomon, ask me for anything. But because David pushed the right thing with the right urgency and the right passion, that's what Solomon wanted. And here's what I found to be true. Oftentimes, parents, what we're most passionate about not all the time, but often what we're most passionate about, our kids will be passionate about. And often, especially at a young age, what, what you emphasize the most will be the things that your children retain and practice the most. I, I'm not saying always, but it's a general proverb, it's a general rule. And would to God we'd have some dads and moms that are passionate about the things of the Lord, aren't afraid to push and emphasize the things of the Lord above all else. Listen to me, I coach my sons, Cal Ripken team, and I don't sit on the bench twiddling my thumbs. 
I'm passionate about it. We, we had two or three practices a week. Two games a week. We're early for everything. We're practicing in the front yard. I'm passionate, as passionate as he is about it. It's, it's okay. It's, passion, it's okay to be passionate about recitals and, and grades and hunting and mechanics and all those things. You know why? Because they're great avenues through which to spend time together and emphasize commitment and responsibility and toughness and teamwork. But listen, our children should know that while we're passionate about those things and support them in those things and push them in those things, we are more passionate about the spiritual and we emphasize the spiritual above all else. What does that look like? It means you cheer as loud for them at vacation Bible school as you do at the baseball game. You don't just drop them off. Give them a few bucks for pennies. Say, that's free babysitting for an hour and a half. Go in there and cheer them on. You don't miss their baseball game. It means you push them to good, good grades, yes, but, but more than that, you push them to go to the youth activity. You, you push them to go to youth camp. You push them to go to Wednesday Night Impact during the school year. It means as much as you participate with them in their school fundraisers, you are participating with them in local church ministry. I love to see parents and kids serving together on the bus, serving together in the nursery, serving together in children's church. That's what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you, just because you push the spiritual most passionate, you're most passionate about the spiritual, doesn't guarantee that your child will be as passionate. But listen to me, it does give them the best chance. Why do we come to Sunday night church? You're going to question that at times. Because you're emphasizing wisdom. Dad, why do you say, Mom, I know we're busy. But let's get there on Wednesday night. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because you're setting a precedent for your kids to follow. I say that because there are parents in here, I know, that would do anything to go back and change some things about the way they parent. I'm not here to pour salt in any wounds. Don't get me wrong. God redeems regrets. God didn't hold that over your head. But there are some parents in here that have adult children that have totally went off the deep end. And it, it grieves their heart and it makes them sad. And there are probably times that they feel guilty about things they didn't do. And if I gave them an opportunity to testify up here, they would probably plead with some of my generation of parents and say something like this, prioritize the spiritual. Be passionate about the spiritual. Yeah. All right, that's the instruction to parents. The instruction to kids is going to be quicker. All right, children, you listening? Listening, teenagers? You listening, Kevin? All right. Number one, receive wisdom by listening. Verse number one. Hear, ye children, the instruction of the Father, and attend to no understanding. I know this is simple. Young people, please. I was talking to your parents. I'm going to talk to you for about 10, 15 minutes. Listen close. The point is so simple and at the same time so profound. The foundation of all learning is a willingness to listen. You will not learn anything until you learn to listen. And I, I said listen, not hear. Because there's a difference between hearing something and listening to something. Solomon started with the word hear, but he intensified and he said attend unto my words. In other words, pay attention. He said, I want you to hear it, but more than that, I want you to sit up. I want you to take notes. 
I want you to attend. I want you to incline your ear. I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying. Young people, listen to the parents God has given you. Now, I want to sympathize for you for a moment because I got to thinking why teenagers don't listen to their parents sometimes. Because I don't want to just scream at you tonight. I want to sympathize with you for just a moment. I'm not giving you an out. I'm going to sympathize with you, though. That I do think sometimes teenagers struggle to listen to their parents because their parents are imperfect. Meaning your parents only want to talk to you when they're getting on to you or telling you to do something. Or your parents instruct mainly through screaming and anger. But then when you scream back, you get in trouble. Or your parents are inconsistent and hypocritical. The way they act in church is not the way you see them acting at home. And so I can sympathize for a moment with the fact that your parents are imperfect. Mine were too. Rehoboam's dad was far from perfect. You read about the life of Solomon? Solomon's dad was far from perfect. He was a murderer and an adulterer. Yet Solomon still quoted his daddy. I can sympathize with you about how hard it is to listen to imperfect, imperfect parents sometimes. I can sympathize with that, but I cannot give you an out. Because God doesn't give you an exception clause. He doesn't say, listen to your parents when they're worthy of being listened to. Or listen to your parents when they talk to you with a calm tone of voice. Or listen to your parents except when they tell you to do something they really don't do themselves. Here's what the Bible says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. Accept your parents as the primary teachers of wisdom in your life because they are. I want every kid under the age of 12 to stand to their feet. Every kid, wake them up if they're sleeping. Every kid under the age of 12, stand up. Stand up on your chair if you need to. All right, kids, stand up. Stand up to your feet. All right? Look around. Look around at our kids of that demographic. Now, you kids, look at me. Look at me close. I want to preach to you. I want to preach to you, Kensington. I want to preach to you, Daniel Highfield. Daniel DeVella. Kevin Kent. When your parents tell you to share... Listen, when they tell you to share, obey them. Listen to them. When your parents tell you to stop fighting, look at me with your eyes. Stop fighting. When your parents tell you to stop complaining, pick up your toys, look at me. Listen to them. Do what they tell you to do. Why are you taking time to do this, Brother Tyler? Because these kids turn into those kids. Now listen to me. Listen to me, young people. Look at me. The things your parents are going to ask you to stop doing and start doing when you turn to 13, 14, 15, 16, it's a lot more important than the things they tell you to do right now in sharing your toys and picking up your room. But if you huff and puff and argue and cry and complain and mope when they tell you to pick up your toys or tell you to stop fighting with your brother and sister or tell you to share or tell you to turn off the video game or put down your phone or whatever the case might be, watch, when they tell you to stay away from that boy or stay away from that girl, you won't do it. And you know why that's important? Well, I'm not going to tell you. You're too young. It's important, though. 
It'll wreck, watch me and I'm done with you. Watch. It'll wreck your life. It'll wreck your life if you build a habit of fighting with your parents right now. And if you fight with your parents right now, watch me, watch me, you are disobeying God. When you disobey your parents, you're disobeying God. When you disappoint your parents, you disappoint God. Why? Because God's the one that gave you your parents. You didn't choose them. God chose your parents for you. And whether you like it or not, you listen to them every time they talk to you. Now, if you're standing, if you're standing, you say amen real loud. On the count of three, I want you to say amen, boys and girls. Ready? One, two, three. I like it. I like it. You put some of the men in our church to shame. Be seated. It's good, isn't it? Young men, listen to me. I'm going to dad come and talk to you. I don't care what the tone of voice is. I don't care what the expectation is. I don't care if you feel like they make sense or not. I don't care if it's about a, a boy, a girl, a video game, a text message, a social media account, a sport, a friend at school, a grade. Listen to me, I don't care what it is. You listen. And you obey. And you do it with a good attitude. Why? Because God promises you something if you do. Your life will be good. Long life. He said, obey your, your, your parents and the Lord. This is the first commandment with promise. Give me another commandment that has a promise like that. None so clear. Listen to them. Listen to them. There are young people, maybe in their 20s or 30s, that, that are trying to repair relationships with their parents right now. Relationships that, that they got distanced from because as teenagers, I'm just going to say it, they were punks. For some reason, they thought they knew more than their parents. For some reason, they thought their parents didn't make sense. For some reason, they justified in their mind why they didn't have to listen to their parents. That's why every time I see a young person in our church that has a sweet spirit and a sweet attitude and a good relation with their parents, I make much of that because it's rare. You know, when I started having a great relationship with my parents, I regret this, but it wasn't until I was 17 years old when I surrendered my life to the Lord and I got right with God. It's funny. When you're right with God, you're right with your parents. You know, you know what I did? You know what I did? I didn't even go out on Friday and Saturday nights when I was trying to stay right with God, young people. I'd go and lay at the foot of my mom and dad's bed. My dad would be watching TV. My mom would be doing something. And we'd just talk. That's it. we just talk. I didn't go broadcast at school that I hung out with my mom. I was a little too embarrassed about that. But I'm here to tell you I had a good relationship with him. I had a great relationship. It wasn't always like that. When I got right with God, I was right with mom and dad. So if you're not right with mom and dad, it's not mom and dad's fault. You're not right with God. Get your vertical right, your horizontal will be right. And please, teenagers, understand, I'm not trying to preach down to you. I know your struggles. I know right now in your mind, Satan's giving you excuses and, and, and rationalizations and justifications for why this and why that and you can think of it all day long. Here's the bottom line. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Please do that. Please do that. Please stop fighting with your mom. Please stop doing stuff behind your dad's back. Please. Please, don't excuse that away. Okay, point number two. Receive wisdom by living out what you've been taught. 
Where do you get that? Look, look at verse number 2. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Solomon had this passion. Listen, young people. He had this passion. Little kids, listen. He had this passion. That Rehoboam, I want it when it's your choice. When you get to choose and make your own choices, maybe 18, maybe 21, I, I don't know what it would have been back then, but when you get to make your own choices, Rehoboam, I want you to live out what I taught you. I don't want you just to listen, I want you to live it. You study Rehoboam's life, put that verse up there, Christian. This is his life. And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom, he became the king after Solomon died, and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law Seven out of every ten students graduate high school and leave church. Grieves my heart. I want our transfer to get better from impact student ministries to Quest College ministries. I want that transfer to improve. Well, the church needs to step it up. No. The home needs to step it up. Because there's a common denominator, this isn't always true, but there's a common denominator in kids that carry their faith after high school. It's parents that relentlessly taught them wisdom. Well, I did that and my kid didn't, I understand, it's a general proverb, it's not, it's not a promise from God. Train up a child in the way should they go, and when they're old they will not depart from it. That is not a hard, fast promise from God that you can have personal expectation with. That's a general proverb. That's generally how life works. Train them the way God told you to train them, and they'll end up okay. I know sometimes they make their own choices, parents, so I'm not guilty of anybody tonight. But please give them the best chance. There's some parents in here, you're thinking about walking away from the Lord. Don't walk away from the Lord. Your kids need you. I want to see our kids live it. By the way, I don't just want to focus on the negative. Here's what I want to do. I'm having people stand. I'm just going ahead and have another demographic stand. If you were raised in this church, or, or you, were, you were brought up in the... In the youth group or whatever, I don't care if you're raised, but got in some way helped by this church as a child, and you're still here. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stay standing. Wow. Tammy, Rob, Crystal and Libby, Carrie, Virginia, Linda, Dad and Leah, Manny and Jesse picked up on the bus route right there, both of them boys. Both of them boys. They, they didn't have to be in church tonight, they chose to be in church. Joel, basically a preacher's kid. Never had to choose to be here. That really hurt him, didn't it? Really hurt him. Zach. I, this, is, this is amazing. I'm just trying to tell you, the devil doesn't have them all. Yeah, I see you four back there. That's a blessing, Ethan and Moy and Ted and Shane. I see Lorraine back there, a PK. Brother Larry Landis. You talk about a mean dude, man. <laughs> Didn't hurt her. Parents, you, you, you looking around? Most of these kids, most of these adults didn't have a choice. Check A today if you want to go to church. Check B if you don't. They served in church, in their talents to the church. Some of them are, are still here despite their parents' mistakes. Hallelujah that the devil's not getting them all. Are you looking at this, teenagers? Are you looking at this? 
These, these are people that chose not to forsake the law of the Lord. They didn't just listen. They're living it. Hallelujah. Praise His name. You can be seated. That stirs me up. Man, I want you to live it. Let me give you one more. Receive wisdom by valuing the wisdom of past generations. Did you, understand, did you see the language Solomon used of his father and his mother? My father sounded like he was proud. Tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. And he said, you know what? I revere them so much. I value their wisdom so much. I want to give the next generation the same wisdom that I got from the, from the past generation. Now watch. Rehoboam heard that. He became king. 1 Kings 12. And right when he became king, the people came to him. And they said, Rehoboam, we got a problem. Your dad treated us bad. He was too hard on us. Are you going to treat us better? And Rehoboam said, let me go away for a little bit. Let me get some counsel. That was wise. At least he listened to his dad in that regard. Let me get some counsel before I make this decision how I'm going to lead. And so you know, you know what two demographics he solicited advice from? It says young men and old men. Present generation, his peers, and past generation, his, his dad's friends. And they both gave him advice. And guess which one the little stinker listened to? His peers. Young men his own age. Instead of listening to people that have already forged the path ahead of him. I'm not saying the past generation have every single thing right. But would you hear me, young people? We should value them enough to listen to them. It's so important. I don't want my mom and dad to ever feel like, hey, listen, I, I'm 35. I got it figured out now. You can stop giving me advice. Uh, listen, listen I, if you're in the 30s, I know your parents' advice can kind of like gnaw on you just a little bit sometimes. But we need to value their advice. Teenagers, value the advice of past generations. Please, learn to do that. Can I talk to our church for a moment? We're in this transitional period. And my generation, I've said this and I'll preach it over and over and over and again. My generation needs the advice and wisdom of the past generation. Those in their 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s in this church. Listen to me, this young preacher needs you. That's why you can't check out. That's why you just can't get up and say, yeah, I'm kind of done here. If God wants you here, please stay here. I need you. My generation in this church would be foolish to make decisions without heeding the counsel of men. That have been there and done that. No, no, before we start, before we start removing policies and procedures and doing away with doctrines that our fathers and our grandfathers put in place, maybe we should first, young men, go talk to our fathers and grandfathers to see why they put them there in the first place. Hey, why did you come up with that policy for Fellowship Baptist Church? Why did you come up with that procedure for Fellowship Baptist Church? Hey, hey, I, I, I'm saying this respectful, but hey, old man. 
Why did this church emphasize that for all these years? Because I, I don't see that. Explain to me why. We don't get the privilege of just removing everything that past generations have strove to put in place. We would be foolish to do that. Kids, you'd be foolish to think you know more than the past generation. Yeah. So we've been given a glimpse into the home of the wisest man to ever live. A classroom where wisdom was both instructed and received. So God help us to make our homes, I said our homes, the first and primary classroom for wisdom. Parents, the message to you is simple. Instruct in wisdom. Maybe some of you are weary. You're just flat tired. Parenting's hard. Keep on repeating wisdom to your child. Dads, dads, maybe you've slacked off from family devotion. Praying with your family. Get back. Get back to it. Don't put it all in the church. Young people, it's very simple. Receive wisdom. Receive it like Solomon did. Don't do what Rehoboam did. Receive it. So what I want to do for the invitation is I, I'd like to ask families to come pray together. Would you do that here in just a moment? I want to ask families, I want to ask dads and moms, grab their kids. Wouldn't be opposed to adult children grabbing their parents if your kid's grandparents are in here. Why don't you just get your kid's grandparents and your parents and just come down here in groups of six or eight or ten or twelve. I'm, I'm good with that. I think that's great. Well, my kids aren't here anymore. Well, maybe you should come and pray for these kids. Pray for your kids. I'm not a parent. I'm not really at home with my parents any more than... Maybe you can just come pray for the next generation of Fellowship Baptist Church. I just can't help but think that, that we can't bend a knee tonight to pray for somebody. But really, it's been a targeted audience. So mom and dad, I want you to pray together tonight. If your kids are in the building, I want you to go grab them. If your grandkids are in the building, go grab them. Let's just, let, let's just get around the altar. Hey, it was, it was after a Sunday night when my dad preached out of Nehemiah on the family. It was after he brought our whole family down there. He prayed with us during exactly one of these invitation uh, calls. And before he got up, I grabbed his suit coat and I said, I'm ready to surrender my life to the Lord. You don't know what these kind of times will produce. These are precious times, times I'll never forget when I prayed at an altar with my dad and my mom. Well, we don't really pray much. It's a little awkward praying as a family. This is a good place to start right here. So build that culture. Start right now. Will you join me in that? Stand to your feet. Let's mind God. Let's